0: It's going to feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey.
1: Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, what a ride these last two weeks have been, huh? The Flyers are, uh, bad, maybe? I don't know. I want to get right into it. We have a jam-packed show. I don't even know what it's about. I wrote the outline, and I think we're just going to kind of ramble and uh, tell each other our worries and concerns for a little while. So let's get right into it. Let's lead things off with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver.
2: I mean, we have been talking to each other for an hour already. So I think <laughs> if we just continue rambling about our concerns and problems, that fits. So the question that I have for you and the audience is, could Joel Farabee, Joel Frisbee, the bees, the beezer, have been the reason that Jack Hughes and Oliver Wallstrom looked so good? Yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> could Joel Farabee have been the secret sauce? The whole time. This dude is,
1: I mean, it's so nice. And I know, like, uh, what was it, two years after they were drafted, uh, Provorov and Konechny were here. But I just feel like we did not see this out of even them. Like, it is so nice to have somebody come up and be good pretty much right away. It is such a departure from, like, the waiting game with Travis Sanheim and all that shit we had to go through a few years ago.
2: And the whole thing about him being, you know, rail thin and needing to develop physically like is still a thing. But also, <laughs> look at what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I am. I'm going to say. With that,
2: no ass. I,
0: I'm I'm going to say that regardless of how good Joel Faraby gets and regardless of any awards that he might win in the future, I do not know if he could get a more prestigious award than the one that I'm about to bestow on him right now, which is Joel Faraby, winner of the. One player that no Flyers fan is angry with right now. <laughs> <Yes>. oh, <word. laughs> yeah. Somehow he has found a, a way yeah. in the season where
1: everyone is angry about everything. <laughs> everything that no one is angry with Joel Farabee. No, I not said that. one single person. I said that on post game last night. I was like, Drew, JVR, Couturier, Farabee, you're all good. You're my boys. Keep up the good work. Everyone else, get your fucking shit together. Like. <laughs> I'm mad at literally everybody else. And the fact that, like, all these vets are having good years and all these other guys are letting us down, it's so nice that the second-year player who I drunkenly started a USA chant for at, uh... Where were we? Tavern? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for Tavern Tavern on Broad broad is, uh... (laughs) He's coming through for us. It's it's like that snipe last night mm. off the goalie's shoulder into the top shelf. It's so beautiful. Like he's the scoring winger we've always wanted. He's here. It's happening. He, and they have him on the power play with G. Oh, my goodness. He, Look at that. Just like
2: he's he's amazing. He's amazing. And like this is another I feel super vindicated because he was the guy that I wanted in the draft. Like so much that. I went to the draft party a month after I had the stroke. And, <laughs> and Craig, when they drafted him, Craig is, like, shaking me. <laughs> as I'm, like, you know, stroke brain. But I feel so good that he is so good. And Jack Hughes is so not. I
3: mean, that's, <laughs> that adds to it. It really does.
1: And, it helps. And speaking of that draft, check out J.O. O'Brien's numbers. They're pretty good. Just saying.
2: I'm not ready to talk about Jay O'Brien.
1: I, I, no, I'm just saying, like the two Americans they drafted. That, like, you know, we were told O'Brien's the next Mike Richards, and uh, his college numbers this season, after struggling a little bit, pretty, pretty good. Were we actually told he was the next Mike Richards? I don't know. I remember hearing it. Phil, probably, have said s- it. probably <laughs> I said <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> you heard you yourself say it. <laughs> oh, someone is. said it. I was. I tell myself a lot of shit <laughs> from theAthletic.com. Charlie O'Connor. So. I think I'm still laughing about <laughs> last
0: night's game. Ugh, I, I'm still. I, I am actually still <laughs> laughing about it because it was Are you not mad? It was so utterly ah. ridiculous. <laughs> you know. It was just a ridiculous game. And like I understand yeah. that people are pissed off because people are pissed off about everything right now. But it really was just a bonkers game, and it's rare when a game that bonkers ends in a way that befits the rest of the game yes 100%. but somehow it did with that jake voracek like been on the ice for two minutes steals the the, the outlet pass from kincaid to panarin and then has like the slowest game winning so goal ever. that was like
1: that was like pure it was like it was deliberate and angry that yes. was like a slam dunk in someone who's been fouling you all games face like angry about the the breakaway he didn't score on earlier he was like i am gonna put this puck in the back of the net if i have to slash you in the throat to do it (laughs) he was he that was absolutely going in he wanted to get off the ice so bad he had to score and let us not forget (laughs) travis sandheim who had his own little adventure uh, a few adventures in that game and was also on the ice for like two minutes uh, on that shift made the play to uh loosen up the puck and get it down the ice so Kincaid had to play it and then you know all shit broke loose that
0: that Travis Sanheim play and like I I love Travis Sanheim I think he's he gets far too much crap from a lot of sections of his fan base but I think that is the first time that I've ever seen a player have control or disconnected when they are controlling
1: <laughs> the puck <laughs> 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 he had, I mean, he boards himself in overtime. Sure he almost, he almost put home a nice backhander. Unfortunately, it was almost on Carter Hart. Uh, like nice shot himself. <laughs> yeah, he had himself a hell of an adventure last night. But hey, I guess all swelled ends well in that one. Uh, last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Ankle.
3: I remember when Hartnell used to fall down all the time, and there was something like endearing about it. Yeah. Travis Sanheim falls down all the time and it just makes me really upset. Like I don't know why he's falling down so much. Like and last night just falling with his face directly into the boards for reasons? I don't know.
1: I, I mean, we were told that the ice was bad at the train that's
3: station. That's what they that's what they say.
1: It is a train station. It is a train station.
0: Yeah. station.
3: Another incredibly serious news um Sean Couturier should not shave his face. Ever. Uh. I don't like it. It it <laughs> He looks simultaneously like a child and an alien when his face is shaved. It distresses me. I understand why he did it. And then they won a game, so he's probably gonna shave forever now, but it's like, you know, just Kelly. Men, don't you shave. Watched,
1: you watched Shits <laughs> Creek, right? I did. Remember the the boyfriend in like the first season, Mutt? Oh, yeah! He was like dark and mysterious, and then he shaved his beard, and he was like, well, you're just like a clean-shaven white guy, huh? Yeah. Like Sean Couturier looks like such a badass with the fucking big grizzled beard, and then yeah. he shaved. It's just like, you're just some lanky hockey player, huh? Yeah, just
2: a dude. No longer but pressed the magic by you. Doesn't, the magic doesn't live in the beard. That's what we found out last night. Well,
3: in yeah. some ways, the magic always lives in the beard right
2: it's <laughs> not the source of his powers no. is what i'm saying
1: yeah. <clears throat> all right before we get started just want to make an announcement about post games uh they're going to be on the locker room app at least most of them uh for the rest of the season so download the locker room app it's a sports talk um uh, audio thing i don't know we've been using it a little bit i I like it quite a quite a bit i think when people fill in for me they're still going to be using twitch but for a lot of this season i'll be using locker room it's only for apple right now sorry to all you android users um it sucks but it's what it is but uh yeah so download the locker room app for the post games live all right the thing i want to talk about also dealing with the locker room is uh players sticking up for each other how like just in the most absurd game ever how fucking funny was they finally do it. Someone finally steps in for one of their teammates and it's the captain. So that's all well and good, but it's on a totally legal hit and it's the dude with the migraine disorder who steps up <laughs> Like, and that's just the first part of it. You see Jake realize what's happening and he goes, oh, son of a bitch. And he <laughs> has to come, And he has to go. You can, like, hear him, like, just take that jab to the face. Like, Smith is tied up with Patrick, and he sees Jake coming. He just frees up one hand and jabs him in the face. (laughs) And, Jake, you can just hear him go, I'm too old for this shit. Like,
2: Like this fucking kid, I've got to go save his ass. Like, Like, you shouldn't be getting hit in the face. It was This fucking guy.
1: I'm happy they finally did it. It's just the way it played out was so goddamn funny. And Jake scores the game-winning goal. I mean, there's a case he shouldn't have been in the rest of the game. Like he was technically well, a third man in there.
3: Well, I mean, they were—they don't call things anymore, so why call? Yeah, that no. Thing?
1: I mean, officiating's and terrible all the time. I don't care, but like, Offici- officiating just, was so bad in this game. And, and, it's and been I, every I, I, and, single And I feel—I
0: feel like I could say that because it wasn't just bad towards the Flyers. Like, no, yeah, it was—it was just bad. All they missed two blatant over-the-glass penalties, one on both teams. <laughs> And there were just, there were penalties that like weren't that bad that were called. And then there were penalties that were really obvious that weren't called. Like it was just a mess
1: of an officiating game. The officiating in this league, and I know everyone complains about refs all the time. I don't think the Flyers win and lose because of the refs. Like it's not against them. It's just that in every game I watch every night, the officials have no fucking clue what's going on on the ice all the time. It's this like season has
3: been like, especially.
1: I, yeah, like I, it's always it's always bad. This has been horrendous. I don't get it. We're all trying well, our I, best. Though, I think, including the that, officials.
2: Well, no, this is. I'm going back to the play. So uh, there's been a lot of attention paid towards Jake Voracek, and of course, not as much attention to nolan patrick actually going after the guy that hit his captain this is something that the Fires fans have been begging for for probably two seasons like can somebody please just go after somebody for making a hit and and nolan did that so let's just like period let's be like okay good boy it was out on the yeah I, I do
0: want to make the point here too because Vino said this after the game and there were a few people on twitter making this argument i think it was I don't know if that hit was completely clean. Vino said after the game he thought that it was knee on knee. If you if uh. you slow it down, there's an argument to be made it was knee Um knee. So I could like I don't think this was necessarily just a case of you know oh my captain got hit with a hard open ice hit. At the very least, I think there were you know Nolan in particular, but I think the Flyers in general thought that might have been a dirty hit. So that was another reason why you you stick up for your captain.
1: Alright, yeah, I didn't see a replay of the hit. That's totally possible on open ice ice hits, like there's a lot of moving parts. Exactly. You can lead with your shoulder and hit someone in the knee, like you can accidentally like a lot of shit can go wrong. If if that's what happened, even better. Like I'm I'm happy Nolan Patrick did it. Like all I said last night on Twitter was about fucking time. Like they... Is
2: Nolan Patrick the goon we've been waiting for?
1: <laughs> it would be nice if he played some sort of role. Like if he oh, if he God. maybe maybe this is his new thing, you know? <laughs> He didn't well, work I mean, out at center. Didn't work out team. at wing. I'll Maybe this is it. All right, that or defense. He's gonna
2: have to. He's gonna have to take some some lessons from Jay Rosehill in getting more hits in than taking, and also the hair flip.
0: Yeah, just just <laughs> don't take lessons about you know driving drunk to strip clubs.
2: No, definitely not. No, huh. stealing cars and and driving. What was it like? Point one two miles. <laughs>
1: It's the funniest a crime. somebody brought it up like the other day and I just it's the funniest shit ever. Like stole a car to go to another strip. Uh, all right, it was, gonna get that off was track. right down the block from the other strip club. All right, does anybody have like before we get into the bigger picture stuff, anything about um a- anything about that game last night, like Jake's goal and that shift, the absurdity of the game overall, how they just got dominated in puck possession in 3 on 3?
2: I hated that game but
1: somehow won,
2: <laughs> like, see, I liked that game because it was, it was just chaos,
1: yeah, it was like if you weren't a fan of either team, it would be kind of fun, like it was a stupid fucking game if the it fly was
2: so dumb if, if the
3: flyers had ended up losing that game, every single one of us would be enraged, oh, one hundred percent last night,
1: yeah, with without a doubt, it. like they just des- they decided not to play the second period,
3: yeah, and also Kurt made a good point via the BSH Twitter last night, that the way that the Rangers were playing that three-on-three, the coward's way, where you just hold on and hope to get to a shootout, is just infuriating. And I wish that there was some way they could not let that happen, because it just goes against the whole point of having a three-on-three overtime. But, of course, NHL coaches ruin everything. Um, But it was still pretty
1: wild. There's a lot of crazy shit that still happened. I guess.
0: (laughs) I I think that the thing about last night's game, and, and I... I thought it was hilarious. Like, I thought that game was really, really funny on a lot of different levels, because if you were able to distance yourself from the fact that this team should be playing better than they are, it was a really, really entertaining, stupid game. The thing that annoyed me about it was that, okay, for two days, and I I tweeted this out, for two days, Saturday and Sunday, the Flyers basically went on a, our process is good, we're just not getting the results campaign in the media. Which, like... That's fair. There are, there are statistical justifications for that argument. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to put your neck on the line and be like, our process is good, we're going to get the results, our goaltending has mostly been letting us down, then you just can't have that second period. Yeah, because then you look unbelievably foolish. Because yeah, it's then naive. you just it's just like, OK, if you're going to argue the process is OK, you cannot just stop playing hockey for 20 minutes mm-hmm. because then it's like, yeah, yeah, the process is fine, guys. Good job. Like you look like morons. And they did and that like, entire second period. It's like you you can't you can't <laughs> say the process
1: is good when you stop playing for 20 minutes and they didn't play and, for 20 minutes. Like the process is probably overall improving. If you, but if you outshoot a team 100 to twelve, but those twelve are all breakaways. I'm sorry, no, your, your process isn't good. Not like good. N- like the goalies have been bad, 100 percent. Carter Hart was whatever last night. Uh, the The chances they gave up were ridiculous. The goals were pretty, but like you know, stop a puck every now and then, please. uh like there was a early in the game, there's a two on two with Provorov and Braun, and I see Braun, he's off the puck. Provorov has the puck carrier. I see Braun actually make a defensive play, and it was the simplest thing in the world. The two, the uh, The guy off the puck on the Rangers, the forward attacking, actually just stops because he sees Braun trailing. He's like, okay, he's trailing me, but he's also watching the puck. I'm going to just stop and open myself up. And Braun turned his head and saw the guy do it, And also stopped and went and covered him. No passing lane, no scoring chance. And I almost stood up and fucking applauded. Because (laughs) someone just wasn't left wide open in front of the net for the first time in like a month. It was un- Like, I don't want Braun on the top pair. But when it's like little shit like that that's resulting in falling behind in games to teams you're better than then I understand why the guy who just will do the absolute basics is on that top pair.
3: I mean, no one is doing any defense. At all so if if he's going to be the guy that does one to two units of defense in an NHL hockey game <laughs>
1: one to two one then two perhaps units.
3: we keep him in the lineup. I don't know, but it's I mean the whole rest of the team has completely forgotten how to do defense. Nate Prosser backing in <laughs> to the oh zone God. last night just all the way in and no, we're gonna yeah yeah,
1: we're gonna get to Nate Prosser I just Jesus Christ, if this is the best we can do, uh, there's there's a lot of problems. All right, but so since the last time we recorded together, the Flyers lost a pair of games to the Caps before winning that stupid game last night. Uh, at least it wasn't boring, uh, against the Rangers. They are currently in fifth place in the division, one point behind Boston. Of course, Boston's 4-6-2 in their last 12. They're skidding when the Flyers are, because that's the way the world works. The Flyers are scoring 3.35 goals a game, which is 6th best in the league. The offense is good. They're allowing 3.27, which is the 6th most in the league. Man, do I love symmetry. But, I don't know, maybe give up a little bit less, and you'd be awesome. Like, the fact that this offense can is amazing, and can barely outscore the Rangers is a real, like... It's a real issue right now. So I just have a simple question. Um... What is this team like? Somebody in post game last night asked me what this team is, uh, and, like, and asked if last year was an outlier. Which uh, outlier from what? It's it's our only <laughs> right. other data point. Like, this is the first time this core and this group of players has been able to compete together. I, outlier from what? Uh, but just throw that away. What like what is this team like? What are they?
2: I'm not going to answer your question. <laughs> okay. I hate this question. Uh, but I am I am going to address one of the other things that you said in that was last year an outlier. Um, and, and one thing that I've been thinking lately is that we're putting a lot of weight and a lot of hopes into one month of the calendar from last year and deciding that that's what the flyers are. We're looking at February 2020 and deciding that that is the bar that they need to reach. And that is what this actual team
1: is. It's January 6th to March 10th is what, that's when they were awesome.
2: Two months. All right. Okay. Thank you for having the dates. Yeah. Oh, you actually
1: have They're it. Right like, they right anyway. <laughs> here. They were 19-6-1 from January 6th to March 10th, which is right after they come back from the Disney on Ice trip when shit just went haywire.
2: Right. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned that we're looking at this sample size of 27 games, which is not insignificant, but it's also 27 games and deciding that that's what this team is and that's what they have to be. And I don't necessarily disagree that that is their ceiling, but I don't think that the fan base is looking at it as the ceiling. I think they're looking at this as that's what the average is and anything less than that is unacceptable. So I think, so
3: first of point. all, we're, we're comparing 27 games to essentially 27 games this season. Yeah,
1: it's also
3: Um, good. and I don't, I don't know that what we saw when you talk about a ceiling, like a ceiling for me is literally every single player playing perfectly Nothing going wrong. Everything is, is operating exactly the way it should be in an, an exactly perfect world. And I don't think that's what we saw back then. I think it was just this group of guys clicking and playing well together. And I think that the problem with this season is that this is very clearly not true talent, what these guys are. Like, they're not this bad. We know
1: Hopefully
3: that. And not. Yeah. And even, even across more than just the games that they started winning last season. We know they're not this bad. The frustrating thing about right now is that they're playing this bad, and we know that they don't need to be, and there doesn't seem to be any good reason why they are. And, like, you can talk about the hole in the defense, which, like, fair, but that doesn't excuse the forwards from also being bad at defense. and It doesn't excuse Ivan Provorov from looking like a turnstile half the time. Like, none of those things are because Matt Niskanen is gone. They're just playing poorly, and they need to figure it out.
0: So here's the point I'll make about where the Flyers stand right now. I think we all can agree that the Flyers are not playing well, number one. But number two, and I guess this is something that not everyone would agree with because there's a contingent of Flyers fans that just think this team is actually awful and we're all idiots for thinking that they have good players and are good. But for the people in this podcast, I think we would agree that – This team is not playing up to their potential right now. To their their on-paper potential in terms of the talent that they have on the roster, even accounting for the fact that they could certainly use another top-four defenseman. Uh So we agree that they're not playing up to their potential. Even with them not playing up to their potential, they still have the 13th best record in hockey. Is that good? No. They should be better. Is that Holy shit, they fucking suck and they're terrible and burn it all down and trade everyone. The core is awful. Everybody is bad. No, it's just a team that's not playing as well as it can be. But if that floor is the 13th best team in hockey, then presumably the ceiling is still pretty damn high because the floor is still pretty damn high because they're not like literally in the basement. They're not even really in like the top half of the basement. They're in the middle. Which, again, not acceptable, not a total disaster. The reason why it feels like a disaster is because, number one, it's a shortened season, so every game matters more, and people now have the, like, people have now gotten the pat on the back go-ahead to treat the Flyers as if they're the Eagles, which uh-huh. they have always wanted to do anyway. Like that's always the natural inclination to treat every, every Flyers game, every Sixers game, every Phillies game as if it's an Eagles game. Now it's like, yes, you are more apt to be allowed to do that because there are fewer games and because every game's in the division. And you add in the fact that the Flyers are in the one division, the one division out of all four that has too many playoff teams for spots. Uh-huh. Every, every other division, there are clearly three or four playoff caliber teams and then a bunch of teams that stink. So when a team struggles, it's like, well, this stinks, but they're obviously going to make the playoffs. The Flyers are in the one division where they can be a top half of the league team underachieve, and miss the playoffs because there are the Capitals, the Penguins, the Islanders and the Bruins that are all also legitimate true talent playoff teams. So, are the Flyers underachieving? Yes. Is it frustrating? Yes. But the outside elements of this season have sort of combined to make things seem even worse than they are because of the unique circumstances of this particular season. That is my rant.
1: The, like, the circumstances of the season, I understand only four teams from the division are going to get in, and that's that's a pain in the ass. Because if they're the fifth best and they have, like, like you said, a top half of the league record, that's a bummer. But... God damn, like finishing the top four. I don't know what to tell you. Look, like, I, Life ain't fair. Bill, Bill I, I agree with you. But my point is that like, all right, let's look at the Central. I all understand. Right? I guess. The
0: Central has Florida, Carolina, Tampa, and that's it. They're the only three teams that are playoff teams. Chicago is in the playoffs, but they stink. Columbus is falling apart. Nashville is going to trade everybody. Dallas, everyone's injured, and they're just having a down year because they sold out to go to the, the, the Stanley Cup final last year. Detroit is maybe the worst team in hockey. If the Flyers were in the Central and having the season they are having now, it would be frustrating, but it wouldn't feel as frustrating because we know they're going to make the playoffs because yeah. they have to.
1: And The that, Flyers that,
0: are in the one division where they don't have that feeling because— there's more teams than there are spots in terms of the playoffs. So it just, it, it ramps up the tension in a way that sure. wouldn't be there if they were in another division.
1: I just, like, it wasn't supposed to matter the division they were in, because I thought they were one of the two best teams in this division. Now, agreed, some teams so, some sure. teams are overachieving. Like, the Capitals and Penguins, and even the Islanders, way better than I thought. Like, the Islanders, they don't lose anymore. That's over with them. Uh, <laughs> I just don't. Um, the good news is... Like, the Flyers need to make up some time, need to make up some points. They started a stretch of 10 games to close out the month of March last night, where seven of them are against the Rangers, Devils, and Sabres. Now, the other three are against the Islanders, and that's going to be, like, a real pain in the dick, because they're awesome right now. But at least they have the opportunity before they run into these other good teams again to get back to where they're supposed to be in the standings, and then they just have to... Out compete the teams that are as good as them. That said, the Rangers, I feel like they're showing some signs of improvement. Like, do you think there's a chance they could sneak sneak up on the top five, or is it just like they shut out the Bruins for nothing the other night? And again, the Bruins are playing like shit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's more the Bruins than the Rangers. But they've taken the Flyers to overtime twice lately. Like, are they showing some? Like, are they sneaking up on the top five of these five teams in the division that are clearly playoff caliber? So not not this year, but I do think that process-wise,
0: they are trending in the right direction. And they're, you know, look, they won two straight lotteries. They're yeah. in a pretty good spot in terms of, you know, the future, just because they were gifted two straight lotteries. Even if Capo Caco doesn't turn out to be anything special, like Frenier is going to be good. They've got guys that want to come to New York because it's New York. Like, they're in a pretty good spot. For the future, especially because they get a lot of space coming off their cap this year because they're not carrying around thirteen million dollars of dead money. So no, like I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. But yeah, they're a team that's on the up and up, without a doubt. Without a doubt, in, in a year or two, they're they're a concern.
2: I absolutely loathe the Rangers. <laughs> like they—is this true? It's so true. Um, it, the, the fact that they won the lottery two years in a row has made. Or two years and however, whatever. It made the NHL change the draft lottery rules. <laughs> like other Pretty people much. were so mad about it that they're like, the draft lottery needs to change.
1: Which is funny because, like, when the Canadian, when it happened to a Canadian team, they're like, well, way she goes. That's <laughs> just
2: <laughs> talky, man. <laughs> I just hate the team. That's all I have to add. Yeah. I just hate it. And hold on, there's more things that I hate. I <laughs> did not expect to hate this format as much as I do, but I am so sick of seeing the same fucking guys on the same fucking teams. I
1: like it for the Flyers games. What I hate it for is the whole rest of the league because there's no, like, I look at the schedule and I'm like, I want to watch some hockey tonight. Well, I just watched that game last night. Just watched that game. Watched that game six times this year. Like, ugh, I like it for the Flyers. I think it's kind of cool that, like, you know, they only play these teams, and they're getting pissy at each other. They're figuring each other out. But, man, i it's just boring to see Edmonton play Vancouver every week three times.
2: I just hate it so much. Like, I'm sick of every single face on every <laughs> single team in the East. Like, every single fucking dude. And then they come out with some new guy. Like, I don't even... There was some guy who was playing on the Rangers, I guess, fourth line last night. And I was like, who the... F- Fuck! Even are you? It just—I hate he this got format. His first career I did point, not right? expect. Of course he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. There's,
1: there's no way to quantify, like because it's such, it's so broad and vague. Like guys who score their first or second career goal, guys who get their first point, guys who haven't scored in 37 games. But there can't be a team who bust slumps more than the Flyers. They there are simply good at it. cannot be. Like it's impossible. I, I don't care what sort of uh, Charlie looks like. He might have evidence to the contrary, but I don't give a shit, Charlie. It's a lie. The, Fly- <laughs> <laughs> the Flyers give up more first goals and more slump busting goals than I have ever seen a- anyone ever do. Yeah, we. I mean, well, the Flyers just
0: spent last week turning Nick Dowd into a goal scorer. So there's that.
1: <laughs> Nick fucking Dowd. Not he's not quite Jim Dowd. All right, can, I want to like <laughs> I, I want to spend like forty five seconds on the Islanders um no no. why why? 44 seconds more than I'd want to why why are the Islanders still good how has their bullshit not run out yet truly why are the Islanders why are the Islanders
2: Matt fucking Barzell with his magic period with his magic like it just oh
1: I hate them all I hate them all They're tied for the most points in the league with Florida. Their 724 points percentage is fifth best in the NHL. They don't have a point-per-game player. They don't have a player in the top 35 in points. And yet, here they are. Nick fucking Letty has 18 points. The last two years, he's had 21 and 26 total. Like, how? How? How is this team just winning every single night?
0: In in truth, I think one thing that has helped them this year, um, because this is definitely something that... uh, you know, for them is really important. They don't have a lot of depth. Like, and when I say depth, like they actually they're they, they, were, they were a pretty deep lineup, but they don't have a lot of depth beyond that. And one thing that they've kind of gotten lucky up to this point this year is that they really haven't had to deal with many injuries. Like, Bavillier was out for a little bit at the beginning of the year.
1: And, Lee's hurt now, right? And they
0: were well. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like okay. the beginning of the year, Bavillier was out, and they weren't doing that well. They're a team that seems like like they, they're when they have everybody. When they have all of the pieces, they can be really, really legitimately good. But when you pull out, like, Sounds one familiar. one or two pieces, it doesn't have to be, like, even, even, you know... Like, last year, for example, they lost Adam Pellick and um and Matt Martin at the end of, like, for the final month and a half of the regular season, and they fell the fuck apart. And, like, not saying those guys aren't good. Like, Pellick is a very underrated defensive. Matt Martin's a good fourth-line winger. But, like, they fell apart... And I'm very curious to see what's going to happen now that they don't have Anders Lee, who's obviously a very important part of that team. Killed us. It seems like with them, they have like this machine that works perfectly. But when you start pulling out even one or two pieces, then the whole thing kind of starts falling in on itself. At least that's what historically has happened to them. And I think one reason why they've been so good this year is because they haven't had to deal with that, and now they're kind of having to deal with that. So I'm curious if they're going to be able to keep this up or not. But undeniably, this year they've been very good. Like this isn't and even a case. This isn't even a case of like they're getting lucky and they're defying analytics. Like their analytics are good this yeah. year too. They're just a and good team.
1: To Charlie's point, they started out five, four, and three. Now they've won nine in a row, and they're on a fourteen-two and one run. Like they win every single game. It's goddamn. It's uh, How my only. What, Kelly? I'm just going
3: to ask if anyone has considered that Barry Trotz is actually a wizard.
1: Oh, it's, you know. It's possible. How I don't do think we anyone's test? asking
3: the important questions here.
1: If, we, if, if he floats, we have to. Yeah, we, we have to have drown to him. Drown him. <laughs> so, yeah.
3: Sorry. Parody. Okay. We, have to, we have to drown Barry Trotz. For science. <laughs> Gotta do For got it. rules of rules. <laughs> you ever
1: see the movie Celtic Pride? Like, that has long been my goal. To, like, go. kidnap kidnap another team's star player so that my team could win. Uh, and to them, it's their fucking coach, which is just, oh my God. Um, all right. My only hope with the Islanders and then we're going to take a break is that they're just on this run right now. And the Flyers are going to run into them at the perfect time. Cause we've seen all throughout the league, hot and cold stretches, even for the best teams, 14, two and one in their last, what? 17 games. Hopefully, they've got a cold stretch coming. That'd be nice if they could win, like, two of the three when they meet them next week. All right, we are going to take a break, uh, and we will be be back on the other side for everyone's favorite topic, goaltending! All right, fam, we are back, and I just have one question to ask my esteemed panel. What the fuck are they going to do in net? Brian Elliott has an 848 save percentage in his last five appearances since shutting out Buffalo. Carter Hart, not to be outdone, has an 828 save percentage in his last five appearances since shutting out Buffalo. The Flyers have played 13 games since coming back from COVID. They've allowed at least three goals in all but two, which were the back-to-back shutouts of Buffalo. They've given up four-plus in seven of those 13. Seems not good. What are they going to do in net?
3: I think a lot about how much different all of this season would be if they were just getting average goaltending.
1: Like, everything would be so much different. 9.06 save percentage team-wide would go, like, a real long way.
3: Yeah. And and I think... I I don't even know if... Sorry, I don't even know if it would be better because, you know, the way that it is is exposing every single weakness that they have, which might be a good thing long run, but... Our lives would just be so much happier if they were just getting average goaltending.
2: And I think that that's the key. Our lives would be happier because if the city (laughs) wasn't in an absolute frenzied state of panic about Carter Hart not panning out, the other things might not be so bad.
0: Yeah. It's just, they're in such a tough spot with the, with the goaltending right now because you know, obviously before these last couple of weeks, Brian Elliott was playing quite well, yeah. mm-hmm. but the reason, uh, not the reason, but a mm-hmm. primary reason why he was playing so well is because the Flyers were using him sparingly. You know, they were using him, they were spot starting him, they were using him at, at times when he would, you know, when he was well rested, when he was given a good chance to succeed. Carter Hart at the start of the year, in my mind, his numbers didn't look good, but I don't think he was playing that bad. He I think was pretty it was, good. He it was. was mo- it was mostly the defense. You know, the, the team was getting gashed for insane shot, shots against totals, and they were giving up ridiculous chances. Hart, I think, was mostly okay. Over the last three weeks or so, Hart has kind of collapsed. And I'm not, I, I wrote this in a column last week. Like, I'm not concerned about Carter Hart over the long term. Like, yeah. I think he'll be fine. I, I'm not, certainly not giving up on him. I think the, the Carson Wentz comparisons are batshit insane. But right Doesn't now, it makes sense. Right now, the Flyers have a problem. They have a real problem in that they have a young goalie who probably needs a week or two to reset and work on his technical side of his game and really just focus on getting himself right. But they don't have the time. They're playing so many games in this ridiculous schedule and they have a backup goalie who can't play in a lot of games because he turns 36 next month. Like, there's only so much that Brian Elliott can do and we saw that. On Saturday, when, like, look, I get it that everyone was really angry about Saturday's loss because it was just another loss, another, you know, game where they gave a ton of goals. Like, they lost on Saturday because of the goaltending. Full yes. stop. That was the only reason. 100%. The only reason why they lost Saturday's game was because Brian Elliott gave up three goals he shouldn't have given up, and then they had to throw in Carter Hart, who fought five hours before the game started. Elaine Vino told us he was not ready to start yet. So, like, they lost that game... In 90% of the reason they lost that game was because the goaltending just could not stop a puck. And that was inevitably going to happen if you kept playing Brian Elliott. But the thing is, is that I don't know if they had a choice but to keep playing Brian Elliott because you need to give your, your young starting goalie a chance to get right. So you basically went into Saturday's game knowing that unless Brian Elliott, you know, temporarily drinks from the fountain of youth and is able to survive playing three games in five nights, that <laughs> you're probably lighting this game on fire. And these are the 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 issues that you run into when you're starting goalie when your young phenom is struggling and it sucks, but like goalies are weird. Like this is a situation where like it's frustrating, but I can't bring myself to get mad at anyone because I'm not going to get mad at Carter Hart for having the first really bad run of his career of his NHL career aside from maybe the start of last season, maybe. But even then I don't think he was this bad. And I'm not going to get mad at Brian Elliott for being old. Like he's old. I'll I'm tear sorry. You. Like yeah, like I, I I can't get mad at someone for like wearing down when everyone knew he was going to yeah, wear
1: like, down. I mean, we've been talking about this for like 4 years now. Like this is and what I can't, and, and, and I can't get
0: And I can't get mad at the coaches for wanting to give Carter Hart more time to get his shit together because he needs more time no, to get his shit together. So, like, it's, it's just a bad situation. There's do no
1: creative. Just, go ahead, do we, go we go just ahead.
3: play Alex Lyon?
1: That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> do we just do it? Um, that's, that's, that was the next thing I was going to bring up, is how close are we to getting an Alex Lyons start, or a few of them, because, uh, what was it, last week he gets sent down to Lehigh Valley after starting the year on the taxi squad. I assumed it was because he hasn't played in a year, you need to get him some time before you just throw him into an NHL game, I think. That was a pretty safe assumption. Um, he gets into a game, he plays 20 minutes, stops 10 of 11 shots, and then the game gets suspended due to COVID concerns, Couple days later, Lion is back on the taxi squad. Felix the cat back down in the A. Uh, it, it, like, does Alex Lion start like this week? They have a back to back coming up. Like, w- are we going to see Alex Lion like real soon?
3: I honestly wouldn't hate it at this point because I think that what the fuck's Charlie- the difference?
1: The other two suck well, too.
3: That's the thing. Like, first of all, could it get much worse? Probably not. <laughs> Like I'm sure Hold on that,
2: guys, hold on. Uh, Do no, not I put that, that
3: to
1: the universe Alex because Lyon you know Alex he can manage an
3: 828. Like let's yeah, be serious. Like, he can manage an
1: 828. Right. But when 18% of the shots are going in, like what's fun. the
3: difference? Maybe it would be good to scratch Carter Hart Oof. so that he knows that he's not going to have to have the pressure of a game on him and perhaps he can use that time to get his mind right. And you fuck around with Alex Lyon and Brian Elliott for three or four games and see what she gets you, because it can't get much worse. (laughs) And if it fixes Carter Hart, then it's worse. It's worth the investment. This is where we are. I know. This is where we are. What a time to be alive.
1: This is where we are. Fifty (laughs) percent of the way through the season, we're like, yeah, Alex Lyon, got to get him in. (laughs)
2: So. uh, I don't. Oh, God, I've got a lot of opinions. And this is the team that only a couple years ago played 10 goalies. Like, we know that it can get worse. We've seen
1: it get worse. Uh, Yeah. And like, did any of them have an 820? I mean, probably at some point, but like the goaltending is so bad. It's kind of the same thing, even though it's the same two guys every night.
2: Like I and I believe in Alex Lyon. I think that he could be. You're the only one. I know I'm the only one. I think that he could be possibly in another organization a backup goalie like he could potentially and that's that's as as much as i'm willing to commit to alex lyon like maybe just not here what if
3: alex Um, lyon
1: just pulls a michael layton and like saves our season
2: i don't want to know well that would be something
1: (laughs) but then like we Um, put carter Hart back in for the playoffs well rested
2: but i also don't think that not playing carter Hart is the best move here i i just don't think that that's What's best for him and his development. Now, I'm no professional when it comes to goalie psychology, but I don't think that him not playing through it is going to benefit him in the long term. I also don't think it's going to hurt him, but I don't think that it's going to help.
1: That's like Charlie said. I don't think his long term is really that much of a concern, but like... I felt the way you did. He needs to play himself out of it until recently when it's like, yeah. no, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah that's like, the thing.
3: Like, Typically, yeah. I would agree with that, that you put him in there and you let him play through it. But the fact that even after Nights Off, we're still seeing what seemed to be the same technical issues with him, most notably this whole making himself small thing that he's doing, for some reason that I can't understand why he just started doing that for whatever reason, but he seems to be going through it mentally. Like he looks like he is just like in one and or on one. I always forget, but (laughs) perhaps it would be better for him to just be able to literally without the pressure of a game at all. You take that away and you let him have some time with the goalie coach and hopefully that sports psychologist that I hope he still sees. And see if he can figure out what the hell is going on with himself and then come back in and work through it. Because eventually you got to get him back in for multiple games in a row. That's got to happen at some point. I just don't know if right this second is the time to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly not saying to like sit him forever. No, I just think in an ideal world. In an ideal situation, in a, normal, a, week off. In a yeah. normal season, you give him a week off. You give him a week off, and you're just like, all right, we're going to work with you every day. We're going to do tape study. Kim's going to be out there on the ice with you for practice every day. And we're just going to kind of you know, slowly reconstruct your game and remind you of how damn good you actually are. That would be awesome. They don't have the luxury of doing that because, number one, the schedule's nuts. Number two, they're barely even practicing because mm-hmm. the schedule's nuts. That's, I think, a huge deal. Like yeah. He doesn't have a chance to hit reset. Like Yeah, there's and and number three, they're in a playoff race. Like They're not even like every game matters, and if you throw him out there, if you continue to throw him out there with him not right, and he keeps giving up five goals a night, and granted, I'll make this point, the reason why they gave up four goals last night, that was not his fault. No, like, no, maybe, no. Maybe he could have stopped one or two, but, like, the Flyers gave up so— That that was—Saturday was a, the goalie lost the game.
1: Last night was a, the defense just didn't show no, up. I mean, the like, entire defense did not show on, up. On the Panarin goal, there were two cross-ice passes, and, like, this wasn't a penalty kill. Hart <laughs> like, stopped a 3-on-0. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was— he stopped the. Uh, he was pretty. His numbers. He. It looked more like the beginning of the season last yes, night. Yes. Yes. Yeah. His yeah numbers last night was sucked. much was yeah. much more like a beginning of the season. His numbers totally suck, but if you look at the goals, like they were all beautiful plays set up by a complete lack of any unit of defense, as Kelly would say. <laughs> I
3: still um, have not But you, but any you, unit. you'd
0: love to, You'd love to give him some time. They can't yeah. afford to give him some time. And, you know, I've heard some people say, well, could they just trade for a goalie? Like, no, I don't think they can. because They have do too many that, other needs. You Number one, they have too many other needs. Number two, like, you're opening up a whole can of worms. Yeah. If you trade for a goalie and then, oh, they don't trust Carter Hart. And it's like, well, they maybe don't trust him now. They still trust him. But then you go down this fucking path. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to go down that path.
1: Like, he's still a year younger than Henrik Lund- Lundqvist was as a rookie. Like... That's how far along this kid is. I have no concerns about his long term. It's just like right now they're in a playoff race and they don't have a goaltender they can trust, and it's it's concerning. Absolutely. Speaking of concerning, Nate fucking Prosser. Ugh,
0: the Prosser. Nobody,
1: nobody here is a Hague fan. Nobody here thinks Robert Hague is the answer, and nobody here would say Gus has been very good since since he joined the team. But what are we doing here with this guy? What like are we doing. He's not an NHL player. Uh, what the fuck are we doing?
3: It's pretty wild to me that Elaine Vigno seems to have think seems to think that he has found like some kind of diamond in the rough that somehow made it to thirty five without an NHL career. But spoiler alert, he's actually really good.
2: Um, here's my theory. Here's my theory. Is it the same
1: as my theory? Go ahead.
2: There's no, it's not the same as yours. Okay. There's nobody else. Like who the fuck else are they gonna play? Robert Hang. Right. So there's nobody else. Uh,
3: better than there's no there's
2: no one else. The defense blows. So all right, rotate some fresh guys in and out and see if you can you can. Finagle your way into one single unit of defense, but otherwise, there's there's no one else. I mean, there
0: there is absolutely an element of this rotation, like that that can't be ignored. The idea of you're trying to you know rotate guys in, figure, figure, but I'm I'm just talking about the schedule. Like like Ivino has said that part of you know the the in and out uh, lineups that he's throwing out there are because they're just playing so many damn games. So I get that, and I even get like okay, if you've decided that Justin Braun is going to be on your top pair for (laughs) now because he's, cause he's actually playing pretty well recently. I mean, nobody played well. Nobody played well last night, but Braun, the grand scheme of things since he's returned from COVID has been pretty good. And if you decided that the best way to get Phil Myers going is to put him with Travis Sanheim, because that pairing has worked in the past and they have chemistry. Then you you need ghost in there. Even, even though ghost was terrible on Monday, but like you need him in there because like the power play is finally starting to do something and, and ghost has been pretty good this year. Yeah. I don't think you can put Shane Goss bear with Eric Gustafson. So, okay, you're sitting <laughs> Gus. So then it becomes a choice between Nate Prosser and Robert Haig. And while, like, I do think Robert Haig is better than Nate Prosser. There's no
1: difference, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it's, like, a dramatic difference. Like, I, yeah, I would rather have Haig in there than Prosser. But, like, it's, you know, you're talking about, like... A sixty-eight on NHL versus a sixty-four. Like I don't think it. You know, I'm talking about like EA Sports NHL games. Like yeah. I don't think like the gap is so enormous that I'm going to lose my mind. That said, I mean, Prosser shouldn't be it. The, the The big thing that's frustrating about the Prosser situation, in truth, is that, and you know, maybe there were other issues, you know, with uh, with this guy. But like, I don't really don't understand how they could have chosen Nate Prosser over Mark Friedman because that's yeah. essentially what happened. That's the I mean, other they they, they chose. They waived Mark Friedman because Nate Prosser jumped him on the depth chart, and I don't know how. I'm not saying Mark Friedman is the superstar, but I don't know how you could look at Mark Friedman and Nate Prosser and think that Nate Prosser is better right now than Mark. Friedman. Yeah. If we're
1: working in, if we're working in our seventh or eighth defenseman every other night, like I'd rather it be Mark Friedman personally. Exactly, exactly. Um,
0: he can he can skate.
1: Yeah, and pass and do stuff. He can skate, full <laughs> stop. But you mentioned you mentioned Ghost and how he was bad the other night. I think honestly, Ghost has been their best defenseman this year, and by that I mean player whose position is you know noted as defense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Fair. he's he's a hockey player who lines up on the blue line. You know, at the he's opening also a off.
2: decent goalie. Yeah,
1: pretty Great damn good goaltender. And he's made honestly, a couple saves. Honestly, at this point, like we joke, but we also saw slap some pads on him. Let's roll. We saw Friedman and Moran play wing together. What's The difference at this point? Throw Ghost and net again. Why Um, not? I don't remember. Like, Ghost is always going to get out muscled in front of the net. He's always going to lose battles in the corner because he's just, like, he's a smaller guy. I don't remember him being so easy to skate around. Like, he had the lateral quickness and the stick that, like, allowed him to deny zone entries. He is a fucking turnstile. (laughs) Not, but not. Everybody gets around him now.
3: Not consistently. I don't think he's been a turnstile this entire season.
1: The last three he was a, he games. Was, he was a turn of last night. Last night
3: he was for sure, but so yeah, was Ivan yeah. Rovarov.
1: No, I mean, True. and that's, I hate singling anyone out because the team, like, it's a 20 person problem uh, defensively, but, like, I just feel like the last couple of games, side to side, you can just step around him. But that's Look, neither here nor there with this. Segment. Yeah. I mean, one thing, well, one thing I will point
0: out about that, though, because I've noticed it as well. Like, he's gotten burnt, you know, his, mm-hmm. his lateral movement, his pivots haven't been as good. And part of that, I do think, is that, you know, He's had some surgeries. He's probably not as mobile as he once was. And he never was, you know, he was more, more with him. It was more about quickness than yeah. it was about pure speed. But you also have to account for the fact that, like, they've played a lot of frigging games oh, in a short sure. period of time. Like, some of these guys are probably tired. Yeah. And Ghost very well might be one of those guys, which is why he looks slower now than he did a month ago. And, like, because he might just be drained, like I'm sure a lot of these guys are.
1: What have we seen? The start stop move once or twice this year? Like, it's not just defensively that his lack of lateral quickness is showing up. It's just he's made up for it a little bit offensively. Is there a possibility Nate Prosser is in this lineup as a message to Chuck Fletcher? Like, if you don't if you don't want me to keep trotting this asshole out there, find me someone better. Like, this ain't going to work. It's, it's a fascinating idea. I, I don't
0: look like it's really it's a really funny idea. Um I think that AV and Fletcher have a good relationship, so I don't think that's the case. That said, like la- there it's was funny. there was a point last week when it was the day, I think it was last Wednesday, when Phil Myers was on a pair with Nate Prosser, which implied that he might be coming out of the lineup and I asked AV like, you know, basically number 1 is Phil Myers healthy, number 2 is Phil Myers possibly coming out of the lineup, in the end he was, he got scratched for that Thursday game. But AV basically used that as a springboard to start saying that, like, we haven't found anyone to play with Ivan Provorov this year. Which very much seemed like a message to Chuck Fletcher, which is, get me someone who can play with Ivan Provorov.
2: That, that's like a screaming, blinking sign. Like, we need yeah. better defense. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. So, I'm gonna just play on the rumor, because it's the only, like, names we've actually heard bandied about. Um... The Eckholm and Ardvinson for uh Gus and Ghost and then whatever, you know, extraneous uh, pieces. A first, yeah.
2: conditional third yeah. and flyers yeah. retaining second. Whatever
1: the extraneous pieces would be. Um That still leaves you with I guess you'd you'd be able to bump Braun down. You still have basically an unplayable third pair. Mm-hmm. Yes, you improve the top four, which is very necessary, especially for the playoffs when you really only use your top four and the third pair yeah, gets yeah. out there a couple yeah. of shifts a period, maybe. But like, are we looking at Braun Haig, Braun Gustafson, Gustafson Haig? Like, you have I, an I, unplayable. I, I think Gus case, is part of the trade. So Gus isn't part of it. Yeah, so like, you're yeah, looking at I Braun think- Hague. Again. I think in that case they go Braun hague,
0: which I mean, as a third pair, it's not ideal, but like it's been passable before. Obviously, it was a disaster in the playoffs, but it w- that was their third pair during the two month run at the end of the regular season when the team was playing great last year. So I mean, you can I, look if if they were to do that trade, I'd also like them to go out and get a better third pair defenseman too. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're if you're going all in to that degree, then fuck it, go all in, get like a Vince Dunn.
3: I do wish that they. I do hope that if that deal gets done, they can do it without trading two defensemen. I just don't like the idea of subtracting even bad pieces of this defense because it's so thin. That, like, if someone else were to get injured,
1: well, then what? Yeah, like, at what point is Igor Zamula in? They're like, they only have so many goddamn rights now. Is is Samuel Moran, like, going to play defense for this team at well, some it, point? Because it really it looks feels like, like he's going to. Yes. It looks like they they moved him back to defense they in the
0: NHL. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm just I'm tired of talking about Samuel oh, Moran. Oh, me too. It's I, just, I, like... I, I, the, the amount of people that continue to bring him up, but, like, I get it that there's so many... Here. Yeah, there's yeah, he's here and the defense is a mess, so people are always gonna bring up the you know Samuel Moran. Um one point I'll make about that that trade ID is that, you know, it's I'm not I understand why the Flyers would do it. Like I totally get the Flyers point point of view from in terms of that trade. Nashville, I just don't The only way that trade makes sense to me from a Nashville perspective is if they're is if they think that Victor Arvidsson— is a negative value asset and they want to get out from under that contract now. Like it's just, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird trade idea because I, I've always liked Victor Arvidsson. I think he's a good player. He's obviously a shoot first winger, but he does have a lot more years left on his contract and he hasn't been that good of a scorer the past two years. Yeah. Because like, okay. So if, if, if Nashville's trading for Shane Gossespierre and Eric Gustafson, they, they're they not going to protect either of them. Because no. the whole reason why they're trading for Matthias... They're trading... They would be trading Matthias Ekholm is because they're planning to not protect him. So they're trying to get something for him now. So you're trading for two guys that you're not going to protect in a season where you're not contending. And the Flyers don't... Like, the Flyers really don't need... I guess... They might need to trade one of the two if they were going to take on about you know eight million dollars worth of salary, but they don't need to trade both of them if they That's... do the trade clo- if they do the trade closer to the deadline because they'll have enough cap space back that they could take on about six million dollars worth of cap hits around the deadline. So it's just a weird trade. Like I, I, I don't da- I I I can confirm that they've definitely been talking. Like they've been talking to Nashville without a doubt, and I I don't doubt that like that framework maybe has come up in some form, but I just. If a trade gets done, I just it's hard for me to imagine it looks like that. I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me why Nashville would do that trade unless they really think Victor Arvidson is cooked and they're just trying to palm him off on the Flyers.
3: I kind of I mean, when I first saw it, I thought that the Arvidson thing was weird from both sides, to be honest. Like I don't know why the Flyers would take a flyer on him. Like they don't really need help on offense at all.
1: Um I will salary.
3: like, if he was, like, you know, making league minimum or something like that, like, okay, cool, we'll see what happens. But, like, they don't need him. So, unless, like, Charlie said, Nashville is insisting that you take him in order to get Eckholm. but, like, that's,
0: that's weird. I see, like- I see. I, I think the Flyers could use a Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the thing with Arvidsson is that you're trading for Arvidsson because you think he's going to bounce back. Because yeah. they definitely could use a guy who shoots the damn puck, mm-hmm. and Victor Arvidsson Fair. shoots the damn puck. So, like, that's the need. Getting Arvidsson is because you think you're buying low on a shoot-first goal scorer. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me. It's just I don't know. Like to me, Victor Arvidsson is still a guy who has value. He's not a guy who, if you're Nashville, you're just trying to give away. That's Which I think in that trade you would basically be giving
1: away Victor Arvidsson. Yeah, and, and, and it we- depends on it depends on the other pieces, like what mm-hmm. other sort of picks or prospects they extract from the Flyers. To me, Gustafson and Arvidsson were both like it was like a basketball trade where you want Gustafson's expiring contract to open up that cap space, and you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you want to match, you know, the money to make it work a little better for both teams. If the Flyers are going to retain some salary, whatever, uh, I, it just seemed it seems a little complicated and a little more than I was expecting. But I like the trade if they pull that. Oh, off, I would or, do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Wrong. No, if you're the Flyers, yeah.
1: No, the for In the Flyers, second. sure. <laughs> big, big Shane Bear fan here, but I, I think it improves them.
2: I love Shane Goss' Bear. I don't want to see him traded, but bring me Eck home. It's yeah. super weird that like I would have, I
3: would expect that Nashville would want more futures from the Flyers in this yeah, kind of deal. Like, like that's the part that's weird. Like just two picks that aren't going to be very high. Like that seems like don't you want some like
2: they've been asking bodies? about York, they've been uh, asking about Zamula, and Chuck won't give them up. Yeah, I'm my fair. my
0: underst- my understanding is that. York is as close to untouchable as the Flyers have in terms of a prospect. I'm not I'm I'm not quite sure how they've used Zamula. I know they like him. I don't know if he's a guy who's like truly off the table, but I do not I I would be shocked if they trade a Cam York. They really like him. Yeah,
1: I'd be real and like Zamula, you always you always have to think about sunk cost. Like York trading him, that's trading a first round pick and a future roster spot. Like Zamula that's found money, you know. It's it's just and like York is fucking better, you know. He's got a high I mean he for. might not be. Like there are
0: scouts that like Zamula yeah. better than York, but the Flyers like York better than okay. Zamula. Or at least they see where York fits in this on this roster easier than they see where Zamula fits in terms of stylistic and things like that.
2: Well, Cam York looks like he ate Igor Zamola <laughs> and then benched that weight.
0: That is fair. Cam York, while not the tallest guy, is definitely much more built than Igor Zamola, who still needs, still like looks like he needs to not only hit the weight room, but just like eat a lot more food.
2: Eat just like a lot of cupcakes, bro. <laughs> Come on over to Kelly's house. Fat you right up with cupcakes. We will, we will handle this, Igor. So and Mary I want to talk.
1: Yeah, I want to talk real quick before we wrap up about the season the veterans on this team are having um mm. Giroux, phenomenal mm. Couturier phenomenal JVR maybe the best season of his goddamn career uh Voracek I know people still complain about his uh you know the, the turnovers etc but man I love him and Giroud together I really just it, last night there was a shift they were out there with Michael Raffle and I thought ah oh, the good old days uh I, I, I love Jake <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Hayes, I don't think, has been as like visibly great as last year, but you look at his numbers and they're absolutely fine. Lawton's having a good year. These six guys, along with one youngster, Joel Farabee, carrying this team. And then there's TK, Patrick, and Limblom. And I know it's not fair, but to quote the great Haley James, fair is what you pay to ride the bus. These guys, Did you just
2: quote Weeds? Yes. That's a show I've seen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've seen that one. Uh, like, if one of TK, Patrick, or Limblom were giving them literally anything, this team would be so much better. What is the matter? And, like, listen, there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances. So this is a TK-centric question, really. Why isn't he what he was last year?
2: Yes, why? He lied. found out he's going to be a dad,
1: and he's panicking. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> totally understandable i can't imagine you know, i'll handle that well i've already um, told ava like yeah. don't don't accept my like initial reaction as how i really feel because i will not oh it will not be good like oh when i run God. away i'll come back but when i run out the, <laughs> when i run out the door don't think of that as like how i really feel it's just pavlovian <laughs> All right, so, Bill, Go ahead.
2: just going, like, wildly off topic, when you run away, when you come back, bring flowers and balloons. Okay. Like, that's it. Sam, that's fair.
1: I've never seen her before. So, anyway, my TK. <laughs> yes, TK. Oh, Lord.
2: I don't know. I like him. He's. I he like a him player. a lot. I don't know. I think he's fine.
3: He's fine. He's not been great. Right, but he's fine. I, I think, I think he's...
0: I think he's playing with more jump recently, but I don't know if that's actually manifesting itself in actually better play. Mm-hmm. It's 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 been a weird season. Like I you know, it's frustrating because he was legitimately very good last year. Yeah. Like that was that was not a mirage. He was very good last year. He was very good, not just from a scoring standpoint, but the Flyers were out shooting and out chancing the opposition by a pretty large degree when he was on the ice, regardless of whether he was with Sean Gutierrez or not. Like, he was, he was actually driving his line. He was playing well enough within the system that he was no longer a defensive liability. Like He's never going to be a shutdown guy, but he was no longer a defensive liability. Now, he's not playing that well two-way. He's, you know, the Flyers are giving up a lot when he's on the ice, and he's not shooting as much as he did last year. There's, there's something wrong with connecting. I don't think they've, they've fixed it. They've really, like, resolved it yet. Can they? Yeah, I mean, I think he has the talent. I, I'm not giving up on the kid, but they, they need more for him. They absolutely need more for him.
3: He's a perfect encapsulation of what is so frustrating about this team is that he's just not doing the things that you know that he can do for no discernible
1: reason. And that's half Here's, the team right now. Like how I feel about TK, a year ago, this was a crazy, like I wouldn't have said this a year ago. Right now, if there was a one-for-one hockey trade, where another team wanted TK, it wouldn't rankle me. Like, I wouldn't be like, no, absolutely not. Now, it'd have to be something substantial that I thought improved the team, but he's not, like, he's not how I feel about Joel Farabee, who I'd be like, no, under no circumstances are you moving him.
3: At this point, okay, there are very fair. few players on this team that I would not trade to
1: improve no, the team. No, it's Jeru Couturier, and Farabee. That's pretty much that's it. about it. Well, I, I, I don't heart. think...
3: Yeah, and Hart, yeah. That's about it, really. Anybody else... Go on, bring me something better. You've
2: got you've got to give me something really really good. Oh for yeah, me I'm to not I'm give not give up, saying
1: TK. trade him one for one for Adam fucking Larson. I'm saying like make a good trade. <laughs> yeah,
2: like if yeah. it's if it's TK for Jacob Chikrin,
0: I do. <laughs> oh lord, <laughs>
2: and, what would no, you, you give guys, up
1: for Jacob
0: Chikrin? Yeah, that's hold true.
2: on. You guys need to take a look at the season that Jacob. I know Trigren he's having, having a very good season.
1: I'm not arguing but that
2: the defenseman that he has turned into, like we could slap him next to Pro. I think
1: you would give up the rights to the Wells Fargo Center and Sean Couturier for Jacob Tricker, and they'd well, have to find somewhere else to play.
2: That You're not right. wrong. Yeah. Their skate zone. <laughs>
1: So the point I'll make
0: about they were um, better
1: with no fans in the stands. So it, it,
0: it's it's kind of using the the connecting conversation as a jumping off point, but it, it sort of goes back to I wrote an article before the season started about you know kind of setting the stage for what the 2020 twenty 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 one season meant for this particular Flyers team, and the point I made was that by not really doing anything substantial in the off season, the message to me that that sent from Chuck Fletcher was basically, look, we like this team as it is. Obviously, we're, we, we'd like to get better. You know, Chuck Fletcher did try to get a top four defenseman. He wasn't able to do it. You know, criticizing for that, that's fine. But by going into the season, basically by essentially running it back, aside from losing Matt Niskanen, to me, what that was saying was that let's give this group as constituted a shot to show us if they are the right mix. And if they are great, we're going to contend for a cup. And if they're not, then next off season, once the expansion draft is past us, that's when we start making trades to address fit. Like to me, the problem with this team right now is not necessarily talent aside from the fact they need a top four defenseman. Mm -hmm. The problem might be that some of these pieces don't quite fit together. And There were some people, I think, going into this season who were convinced that the Flyers didn't fit well together. And so far, they've been proven right. So I guess props to you. But in my mind, there just wasn't a large enough sample for me to, bel- to know for certain that this group didn't fit together because they sure looked like they fit well together the final two months of the regular season. Yes, they didn't look like they fit that well together during the playoffs, but it was a weird friggin' playoffs. Yeah. So I understand why Chuck Fletcher wasn't going to overreact to a weird playoffs in a bubble in the middle of a global pandemic. I get that. So far this season, we have seen a team that doesn't seem like it fits that well together. And in a way... As I put in that column to start the year, before the season even started, this year was something of a fact-finding mission. You know, okay, which of these pieces are pieces that are part of the long-term plan, and which of these pieces, while good, you know, these players are good players, I do believe that, which of these players might be better suited to be used as ammunition to get better-fitting pieces? And is Travis connecting one of those pieces? I don't know. He might be. He might not be. I mean, I think there's 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 a fit for him in this lineup, theoretically. At this moment, he doesn't seem to be fitting that well because he's not playing that well. And I think he's put himself in a position where, you know, the Flyers aren't going to turn down a deal out of hand because, you know, he's not a Sean Gutierre, where it's like, well, he's a, the, kind of the, the fulcrum which our he's team our is built best player. Is build around. Yeah. yeah, like, you get rid of Sean Gutierre, it's completely pivoting on the way this team is is run. Maybe Konechny is a guy where this summer, after you're past the, the expansion draft, you say, is there a winger out there that fits this lineup better than Konechny does? Maybe, maybe, and those are the tough decisions that Fletcher's going to have to make this summer because I don't think the problem with this team is talent. I think they have enough talent. It's a matter of like, okay, how do we get this talent to fit into a cohesive hole that can consistently control and win games? I've you know, been, oh, go ahead, Kelly.
3: I was just going to say that that terrifies me. Because I think that we've all kind of accepted that there's a window for the the veteran leadership of this team that is rapidly closing. And if we have to reconstitute, you know, a third of the roster because the mix isn't right, like that's going to really make us have a bad time.
0: You know, my problem with that, though, is just I hear that all the friggin' time. How many veterans do they even still have? We're, basically talking, about, we're basically talking about Claude Drew, Jake Voracek, James Van Riemsdyk. That's who I'm talking James about. Van, James Van Riemsdyk, people were ready to give away for nothing like five <laughs> months not ago. Me, Charles. So, so I'm not going to worry about oh, the window. I'm Kelly. not going to worry about James Van Riemsdyk when I'm talking about the window. You know what? If the Flyers cleared cap space, you know what they would probably do? They'd probably go out and they'd sign another 29 to 30 year old veteran because those are the guys available in free ages. Agency. To me, James Van Reem's like as good of a season as he is having, he is a supporting cast, good veteran that regardless of your team, you're gonna have those guys. Okay. Jake Ford is 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 another thing. Like, okay, you're worried that by the end of that contract, he might just suck. Fine. That's a problem. It could be a bad contract. Right now it's passable. Claude Drew has one more year left on his deal. Like, you're at this point. I'm not that worried about the window with Claude Giroux yeah. because if you if you've decided that you're you're done with Claude Giroux just wait another year and a half. And I think they should re-sign him after this contract but like, they like have to. the whole concept of a window of like well we need to have a window because in 2 years things are going to go bad. I don't think things are going to really go bad. Like, with Giroux, you have an out clause. With JVR, he's playing his best hockey. With Voracek, he's the one bad contract, maybe, who isn't even a bad contract yet.
3: Allow me to rephrase, Charles, because I seem to have worked you up. (laughs) I need Claude Giroux to get a Stanley Cup victory while he is a Philadelphia Flyer. That is the window of which I speak.
0: And what, and what in his recent play tells you that like, Nothing. he's going, he's going to stop being a useful player Nothing. anytime soon.
3: Nothing. But if we're talking about another three years of chess moves required to get the mix right on this team, I don't know, man. That, I, don't
1: That's, don't... I don't see it as three years. Like, yeah, I, I don't see this, this three years either. I don't
0: I see know
3: how long like... it takes to reconstitute a mix of players that don't work together. I see I'm not this saying as like reconstitute,
1: an... I'm saying make a couple moves.
3: Yeah, like, I What if see those this as don't an... work?
1: Well, that's, that's the risk you take of building the hockey team. Yeah, like I see this as like an oh eight oh nine situation where, like, maybe Joel Farabee is Simone Gagne and you hold on to him forever. Maybe, maybe TK, as much as we love him, is Joffrey Lupel. And if you can improve the team somehow, you do. And then that's the move that puts you over the top. If, I have no like, problem. Like, the goalie thing works out.
3: I'm not saying don't make the moves. I have no problems with making moves. I'm just saying that I'm upset that this is where we are because no, I'm it's upset. not where I expected to be. I'm ab- Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm upset that last year wasn't the fact-finding mission, and this year they're not, like, have a couple of new guys who could potentially, like, play in an all-star game, and they're off and running winning the division. That upsets me. But
2: in fairness, last year wasn't their fault. Eh. Last year very well should have been the fact-finding mission, but the Rona.
1: Yeah. And you had, like, you know, the guy who's supposed to be your 3C not play because of a migraine disorder. The guy who had a breakout season and started playing on the first line, got diagnosed with cancer. Like, I I understand all these things, and they threw a real wrench in everything, but goddamn, I think they just need to do something. I just don't
0: look at it, because I I hear a lot this idea of, like, the window is closing for the older guys. And I guess my point is that I just don't—I don't think it's that urgent— like, I, I don't I don't get that sense of urgency because, like, these old... To me, like, a team with, like, a closing window is the Capitals. Yeah. Because the Capitals have a bunch of guys like the TJ Oshies and the Nicholas Backstroms and whatnot that, like, to keep all those guys, you're going to need to sign them to deals that get really, really bad in a few years. And you need to win now because those guys are going to be albatrosses for you and prevent you from competing for Stanley Cups. Like, I don't look at any of, like, the Drew Voracek JVR group or even, as some people do, lumping in, like, a Tourier and Hayes. I don't see them as part of that. Like, either they're still good or you can very easily get out of their contracts relatively soon and then use that cap space to sign other players who, like... The idea that the only way to have an open window is for every single one of your key players to be in their early to mid-20s is just false. Like, yeah. you need some older guys that are good. You do. And, like- and, just, because, and just because they're going to get older doesn't mean, like, the window closes. Hopefully younger guys get better. Maybe you bring back a couple of those older guys because they're still good. That's how this works.
2: I had no idea that Giroux only had another year left on his contract. How did we get to the end of that one? He's been a flyer for of, a long time.
1: Yeah, a long
2: That was a shock to hear Charlie say that. I'm, it like, turns, well, I'm sorry, what? It
1: turns out that that year long uh, mediocre stretch this team was on was actually about eight years. Right. uh
2: huh? uh huh?
1: And here we now are. Now it all makes sense. Here we are with this season and next season left on his contract.
2: Amazing.
3: All right, is
1: that it? Are we done?
2: I guess.
3: Yeah, right. I've
1: yelled enough.
2: That's
3: fine. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, and. And that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content delivered to you daily. All the Flyers content you will ever need right there on the Broad Street Hockey feed. You'll love it so much, you'll give us a five-star review. Do it. There's some up there that are really making us happy. You want to be part of that group. You want to get invited to the big party when Rona ends. Do it by uh, leaving us a nice review. So that's it. Um, yeah. For Charlie, for Steph, for Kelly, my name's Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Sports!
2: Yeah!